Okay, so yeah, just a little little business up front. There's a um, sign-up sheet going around. If anybody wants to sign up to bring breakfast on any weeks or just something, bring some juice or really whatever, uh, if you'd like to contribute, you can do that. And then um, I'm going to go ahead and throw this out there. I would like to, at some point in the near future, just have a get our class have a get together outside of here, to where we just get together and hang out, bring our guitars. See, uh, uh, looking at Scotty back there. <laughs> no, to just get together, maybe preferably at someone's house, uh, maybe I don't know, grill some burgers or something, and and hang out outside of here. So we'll we'll figure out the details on that in the future. Uh, prefer it'll work out better when Kimmy's in here to help work out the details. But I just want to go ahead and throw that out there. We are going to do that, and uh, I think that's all we got. So let's let's begin with prayer. We'll uh, we'll pray like we have been, uh, a little different maybe than we're used to, but just reading where. I'll read out, and then we'll all read together where it's bold and it says all. So let's pray. O Lord, let my soul rise up to meet you as the day rises to meet the sun. Glory to the Father, and to the Son, and to the Holy Spirit, as it was in the beginning, is now, and ever shall be, world without end. Amen. Can you please read Psalm 139, 1-14? O Lord, you have searched me and known me. You know when I sit down and when I rise up. You discern my thoughts from afar. You search out my path and my lying down, and are acquainted with all my ways. Even before a word is on my tongue, behold, O Lord, you know it all together. You hem me in, behind and before, and you lay your hand upon me. Such knowledge is too wonderful for me. It is high. I cannot attain it. Where shall I go from your spirit? Or will shall I flee from your presence? If I ascend to heaven, you are there. If I make my bed in Sheol, you are there. If I take the wings of the morning and dwell in the uttermost parts of the sea, even there your hand shall lead me, and your right hand shall hold me. If I say, surely the darkness shall cover me, and a light about me be night, even the darkness is not dark to you. The night is bright as the day, for darkness is as light with you. For you formed my inward parts. You knitted me together in my mother's womb. I praise you, for I am fearfully and wonderfully made. Wonderful are your works. My soul, my soul knows it full very well. My frame was not hidden from you when I was being made in secret, intricately woven in the depths of the earth. Oh, I'm sorry. I went ahead. I just kept on. <laughs> you could have just kept reading. No, I'm just kidding. <laughs> I all like right. that. Abba Father, creator and sustainer of all life, you have made us in your image. And with the psalmist, we praise you that each one of us is fearfully and wonderfully made each one a unique reflection of your beauty and glory, each one precious in your sight. Help us to see your image in each other and to accept each other as you have accepted us. Now let's read Mark 10, 46-52. And they came to Jericho as he went out of Jericho with his disciples. And a great number of people, blind Bartimaeus, the son of Timaeus, sat by the highway side begging. And when he heard that it was Jesus of Nazareth, he began to cry out, Jesus, thou son of David, have mercy on me. And many charged him that he should hold his peace. But he cried the more a great deal, Thou son of David, have mercy on me. And Jesus stood still, commanded him to be called. And they called the blind man, saying unto him, Be of good comfort, rise, he calleth thee. And he, casting away his garment, rose and came to Jesus. And Jesus answered and said unto him, What wilt thou that I should do unto thee? The blind man said to him, Lord, 
that I might receive my sight. And Jesus said unto him, Go thy way, thy faith hath made thee whole. And immediately he received his sight and followed Jesus in the way. Lord Jesus, we praise you for the boundless compassion that you have shown to us. We thank you that you are Emmanuel, God with us. When we were helpless and in need, just like Bartimaeus, you heard our cries and brought us near. Help us to love each other as you have loved us. And now let us pray together with confidence as our Savior has taught us. Our Father, who art in heaven, hallowed be thy name. Thy kingdom come, thy will be done, on earth as it is in heaven. Give us this day our daily bread, and forgive us our trespasses as we forgive those who trespass against us. And lead us not into temptation, but deliver us from evil. For thine is the kingdom and the power and the glory forever and now. All right. So over the last couple of weeks, we've, like I said, we have been setting some foundations for how we view. (laughs) (laughs) All right. We have a guest teacher and it's coming from Kimmy's phone. All right. Anyway. But that wasn't during church. Well, so we've been setting some kind of that uh, beginnings, introductions that our community is founded on the love of God, and that it's centered around the person and work of Jesus. Um, so it's been pretty heavy on the theological side. Today we're gonna have some fun. Like, not that that's not fun, but we're gonna get into a little bit more practical. Um, aspects of what it means. Jesus says to us, love one another as I have loved you. As we know, the word love can mean a lot of different things to a lot of different people. So we want to ask the question, not just once, but over and over again, what does it look like to really love each other in the context that we find ourselves in, in the particular relationships that we have, as we interact with each other and as a community, what is it like to create an environment where love flourishes between uh, one another? This morning, we are going to be talking about what I am entitling the art of embrace. So this is, as I may have mentioned last week, one of my heroes, Fred Rogers. Um, it's just one of my favorite pictures of him of all time um, that captures this uh, idea of embrace. And I want to use the, the sort of the metaphor of embrace to talk about what it means that we truly meet one another graciously, kindly, respectfully, and that we, um, that we see each other and that we, with a spirit of hospitality, welcome each other into our lives. That I open up my life to you, you open up your life to me, and we embrace Now, the reason I like the the metaphor of embrace is because embrace is always something that takes more than one person. Now, technically, you could embrace yourself, and maybe it's a good idea to give yourself a little hug once in a while. Everybody could probably benefit from that. But for an embrace, it requires someone to be giving and someone to be receiving. Actually, technically, it requires that two people are both giving and receiving at the same time. So, Kimmy, can you come up here? to embrace. There's different ways that we embrace each other based on the level of comfort that we have with each other. So we may meet, um, we may meet with a handshake. 
where we're just like, hey, nice to meet you. And, um, and that's cool. It's a good starting place. If we're not really sure, we may do one of these. We may do a little, a little side hug, but not, not any cheek touching. That would be a little <laughs> too intimate um, until we take our relationship to the next level. So we may do that. Um, you know, we can have one of these lean-in deals. Or, or one of my personal favorite is the, is the bro hug, where, you know, you got to make sure that there's a little something between between oh. each other. So it's kind of like this. We sort of grab thumbs or something. I'm, I'm never quite sure how I'm supposed to do that. But so and then just pull and a couple of pats on the back. Like, thank you for subbing for the bro there, for You're the welcome. bro hug. Okay. Yeah, thank you very much, Kimmy, for your right. hands. Oh. Sorry, bud. But so. He's getting other words. Yes, he's getting other words. Perhaps a not so gentle one. But so I want to use this lens to think about how we interact with each other. We're gonna talk about four things this morning that are happening simultaneously when we, um, when we meet, when we embrace with each other. Two of them are on the giving end, two of them are on the receiving end. There is no healthy community without all four of these things. So we're gonna go through them one at a time. The first one is authenticity. So how would you define or describe the concept of authenticity in one or a couple words? Like, what does it mean to be honest? Okay. To be transparent. Okay. What is the opposite of authenticity? That might help us think about it a little bit better. Fake. Fake. Okay. What are the sorts of things we do when we're not being completely authentic? We keep a lot to ourselves, yeah. like we're guarded. And some of that is good because the first time you meet somebody, you're probably not going to walk up to them and be like, hey, it's nice to meet you. You want to hear about the worst thing that ever happened to me? You know, that might push them away a little bit. That might be a little oversharing. But to have deep, life-giving, loving relationships, we have to be authentic with each other. I want you to think about this. How much time do we spend trying to manage other people's expectations of us? Like from the first time you meet to, I mean, even people you've known for a long time, it's like you've always got this kind of ongoing thing where you're trying to, and, and sometimes we're expending energy based on what we think another person or another group of people expects us to do or expects us to be. So a lot of assumptions, um, a lot of assumptions and that happens in our church community as well. We think if I'm going to fit in, I've got to model what these people are doing as they're doing it in order to, I don't know, have belonging. And I may feel like I can't actually show up and be myself. I may feel like I have to put on a veneer of religious language. I might need to say, even though it might not normally occur to me to say like, hey, hallelujah, praise the Lord, brother. I might feel the need to throw some of that language out um, in order to, and some of that, I mean, that's not all bad. But when we come together with not just the meeting of handshakes, but the, truly the meeting of hearts, we have to be our authentic selves. And I'm going to quote this guy up here, Fred Rogers. He said, the best gift you could offer anybody is your honest self. So what, does, what would you say that authenticity might look like in the context of a community where we're honest with each other, where Oh, well, I'm not going to you, – you, you give feedback, and then I'll tell you what I do. What do you think that looks Sincerity. like? Sincerity. Sincerity. Yeah. So in what, in what ways? Like how are we sincere with each other, do you think? What does it look like in real time, do you think? I don't know. It's hard to put a, a, 
put a face on it. It's one of those things that I think that uh, when it's not there, yeah, okay, you're you're keenly aware. Mm-hmm. I mean, it's like we have little sensors that can read those things and pick up on it. But that's I mean, right. When somebody's sincere, they're open. I think they're sharing. Mm-hmm. That's right. Uh, yeah. Giving. Mm-hmm. And uh, um, and and your little receptors know it. Mm-hmm. I don't know how else they you know, yeah. you know, body language. Is there like body language? Okay. You know, you know this. You know, yeah. tight. You know, they're, they're relaxed and they look you in the eye and their eyes are smiling. Yeah. I don't know how you describe that, but I, I like some people. Their eyes smile. Mm-hmm. You know, and you know, yeah. relaxed, so they're just telling you how they feel. Right. Have you ever had lip service? Not just lip service. Yeah. Have you ever had a conversation with someone where you're talking to them and they're all like. Yeah, that's uh, that's great. You know, so you said eye contact, body language, or how about, you know, if you're having a conversation with somebody and they're like, yeah, yeah that's going to be a difficult conversation. Up. Yeah, shields up, right? It's like I'm already not trusting what you're saying. But sometimes, I mean, sometimes we have been hurt, and that makes us retreat into a place of armoring up and being safe because we don't want to be hurt again. It's natural to want to do that, but when we do that. We limit the extent to which we can grow in our love for each other. Sometimes we hide our gifts. Like we feel like, oh, that's not something that I can do because of who I am or or what I am or whatever. And we hide our gifts that God has given us. And we don't really feel like we can show up as ourselves. Maybe we don't feel like because we don't like who we are. Maybe we hate who we are or we think we do. And so we don't are not necessarily all that ready to share it with other people. But to approach another person and to approach our community out of place of authenticity is to let those masks, maybe slowly, but over time, to let the masks fall and to step into the next thing. Because being authentic is to be vulnerable. When we are authentic with each other, we become vulnerable. We open ourselves up to being hurt. We open ourselves up to being rejected or misunderstood or abandoned, or anyway, it, love is vulnerability. To love someone is to be vulnerable. And we learn this from Jesus himself. Think of the fact that the God of the universe in the person of Jesus, the one through whom all things were made, the one who upholds the world by the word of his power, was laying vulnerably in a woman's arms on a, in, in a stable, in the middle of nowhere, in poverty and in obscurity, the Lord of the world. Think of that same Lord with his arms stretched out, giving his life as a ransom for many. Jesus is the vulnerability of God. Jesus is God coming near to us, making himself vulnerable not only to show us how much he loves us, but to rescue us and redeem us. Um, And Jesus shows us that true power is found in humility, that true strength comes through weakness. What does Paul say? When I am weak, then I am strong. We don't want to be seen as weak. We want to, and so we avoid it. But Paul says, when I am weak, then I am strong. So that's a little bit of what Jesus shows us, but we avoid vulnerability like the plague. Now, there's lots of reasons for that. I've alluded to some of them already, but um, what do you think are some things that prevent 
us from being truly open and vulnerable with one another? Being hurt. Being hurt? Okay, so we'll say, oh, uh, just hurts. We could not even past hurts, but just future hurts. So hurts? Fears. Fear, yeah. We are afraid. What are we afraid of? Rejection. Rejection, absolutely. We're afraid of being rejected. What did you say? Just different words, same thing. Mm -hmm. (laughs) Of what she said. Yeah, yeah. For me, it's sometimes how what I'm sharing, like if it's mm -hmm. about a hurt or something, it's how it's going to make the other person feel. Like I don't want to make them feel bad. So I'll I'll just hold it and I'll just keep it in or I'll just deal okay. with it on my own time mm-hmm. and not because I don't want to hurt someone you don't else. You want to give so them your burden too. Right. Yeah. And so it's more of mm. that. I don't even know what you would call that, but just not wanting to, yep. or it's like, I always find myself like I had a crazy dream last night. I was telling Caleb about it and I was like, but I'm like, but it's not anything that you did that made me have this dream. Like, <laughs> you know, like I'm trying to yes. make sure that nobody thinks. Right what I'm feeling is because of them. Like it's, mm-hmm. you know, it's not anything that the other yeah. person has done or said. Right. It's just mm-hmm. an insecurity that I have. Yes. And so I don't want to Some that. That makes me think of like the idea that we can't control the outcome. Right. How, yeah. So uh, even like if there's conflict, like control. I'm a conflict avoider. Right. Yeah. You know, I'm a conflict avoider for lots of reasons. Me too. And I'm a control freak. For <laughs> lots of and so it's because you can't control how right. you can't say, look, I have to tell you this hard thing, but it's not because you can't you can't control right. what So you feel very, right. very vulnerable. Yeah. And if you're used to having people look up to you, respect you, you're in a certain position, uh isn't it hard to sort of, what if you're just like some people are, I say some people are a lot more comfortable giving than they are receiving. Absolutely. Like we would rather just, I'm going to take care of your needs and I'm going to just, you know, suck it up and I'm going to help you. But if it comes down to receiving, have you ever just been blown away when somebody does something nice for you for no reason at all? Yes. I had that happen not long ago. Um, we had to move a fridge uh, we had to get a new fridge because ours broke and had to go get a used, get one for my old one for my parents' house. And so Kimmy put it out on Facebook. And a guy that I'm only marginally acquaintances with was like, I'll be there. And he drove there with his truck and he helped us move it. And I, I was surprised at how uncomfortable I felt. I was like, because I'm used to being the sacrificer, you know, the one who gives. And I was like, I haven't done anything. Why would you do this for me? And I was like, I don't like this feeling. Um, <laughs> I felt the need to earn that. And so mm-hmm. I felt vulnerable. because some. And so it wasn't vulnerable because I did something wrong. And I was, it was vulnerable because now suddenly I'm at the mercy of this person who showed me kindness for no reason. Yeah, yeah like, you owe him now, Mr. I do. Oh, yeah, that's right. Like he comes back and said, you remember that. What's that? Yeah. <laughs> the favor over money. Yeah. Them all like that. Yeah. We'll take the shirt off for you. Give mm-hmm. you the last nickel he's got. Whatever you need. And then you try to do something for him. And he, mm-hmm. he is not gracious. And he's receiving. And he also actually hurt your feelings because he just absolutely won't let you do stuff for him. And, I, you know, I had to sit down and say, look, you need to let people do stuff for you. You do for everybody else. Mm-hmm. And, you, you know, you're, you're the great provider. Yep. But there will be times when others can help. That's right. You know, and it's no, you don't owe us anything. You know, he doesn't want to owe anybody anything. I said, you don't owe me anything. I said, I just want to do it. And I always do that. I say, would you mind, would you allow me to buy lunch for you? You know, stuff like that. And as long as I phrase it properly, we'll we'll go with it. You were going to say something? I had a thought. um, Several years back, 
I had seen a thing on television where somebody was interviewing Tom Hanks, and they were just going on and on and on about how talented he was, how gifted he was, and so on. And you could see he felt very, very uncomfortable mm-hmm. as this was going on. And finally, he just says, you're too kind. You're too kind, yeah. And I was so impressed with how he handled that that I sort of took that on myself. And now if I find myself in a situation where I'm feeling a little uncomfortable because somebody's doing that, that's what I throw out there. I mm. just leave it at that. And, yeah. And it seems to work. Yeah. And it lets them know you appreciate what they're saying. Right. But, you know, that's a man. That's a good point. <laughs> that's a good point. So a couple others, a couple reasons we avoid vulnerability like the play. How about perfectionism? <laughs> yeah. Uh, do you do you feel the need to be perfect all the time at everything you ever do without having to learn anything? <laughs> at least you want to give that off, right? Like I hate that. I hate going into a restaurant that I've never been that has a different way of serving food. I'm suddenly like, I don't know what's going on here. People are looking at me. They're saying he doesn't know how to get his food. Yeah. Anyway, I want to. I want to always have learned the lesson before I took the time to learn it. And so perfectionism, it affects, it keeps us from being vulnerable with each other. And this kind of runs through a lot of these. Pride. Yeah, um, for sure. Pride. We're not vulnerable with each other because we have high levels of pride. We don't want people to see our needs. We don't want people to see our failures. Um, and then finally, one that I think might, might, might be right up there, maybe top them all, is shame. Like, we're not vulnerable with one another. Now, there's a difference between guilt and shame. And here's how I've heard it described. Like, if you feel guilt over something you've done. You think, I did this wrong thing, and I feel guilty about it. And sometimes you should. Like, you should feel guilty about it. You shouldn't live there. You should move past. But that's a natural and it's a healthy thing so that you can ask for forgiveness if that's what's needed and make it right. If you didn't feel any guilt over hurting someone, that would be a problem. Like, But shame is where you feel not that what you did was wrong, but that there's something wrong with you. Like that deep down, I'm bad. I'm not good enough. I'm not smart enough. Um, I'm not whatever enough. I'm not <laughs> athletic enough. I'm not creative enough. I'm not like I'm a terrible parent. Um, I'm a terrible whatever. And that like sinks into your soul. And sometimes we think that by beating ourselves up by saying I'm dumb, I'm bad, I'm stupid, that we're doing other people favors, or we're doing God a favor, that God's like, well, I'm just so happy that you know how terrible you are. Now I can, you know. But when we view ourselves that way, it is going to affect how we treat other people. When you see yourself as bad, you are going to, even if you don't know it, and I've seen this, I've had relationships like this, where someone feels so terrible about themselves that every interaction that they have is a way to try to get you to make them feel better about who they are. Shame will do that. Shame will destroy relationships. Now, as I'll say in a minute, this is not about, I'm not saying that we don't confess our faults and our sins, and we'll get to that in a minute. But if we just spend all our time thinking about how awful we are, it is, that is going to keep us from being vulnerable with each other. So uh, just a couple more things about vulnerability. Uh, there's no intimacy without vulnerability. Like, you will have surface-level relationships until you are willing to be vulnerable with other people. And the irony of vulnerability is that it's the last thing I want you to see in me. I don't want you to know that I'm vulnerable, but it's the first thing I look for in you. Like, I don't see you and I think, oh, wow, I really respect that this person is so guarded that they won't let me know anything about their life. That builds trust. 
If I see vulnerability in you, if you open up in a group setting, and I've seen this in small groups, like where one person opens up and shares and says, I am having a really hard time today. It is freeing for everyone else to be able to say, you know what? Me too. I'm really glad you said that. Or I, or you confess a sin and someone else is able to say, I'm so glad you said that because now I don't have to carry on this weight of feeling like I'm supposed to project perfection. And uh, the truth is we're vulnerable whether we like it or not. Like the, the, the difference is the extent to which you're ready to engage it. Because you might think you've got yourself walled off. I discover this with my wife often. Now, I've learned a long time ago that she can read my mail and that I cannot put up – I can't pretend I'm feeling a way I'm not. Um, but so, you know, very early in our relationship, um, you know, it was obvious that I would have something going on and I would be angry or pouting or whatever I do. And, uh, and she'd be like, what's wrong? I'm like, oh, nothing. What, what did I say? What was the response to that? I'm fine. You know, <laughs> It's fine. Nothing's wrong. And she could see right through it. And a lot of times we can see right through it. We're vulnerable whether or not we like to admit it. Um, so um, an author that Kimmy and I have been really impacted by, her name is Brene Brown. I don't know if you've ever heard of her. She, she does, if, uh, she's written several books and has done, uh, did a, one of the most popular TED Talks of all time on the subject of vulnerability. Um, really, really encouraging stuff. And if we have time, we're going to play a little something from her later. Um, but she said uh, in her book, Daring Greatly, she said, the uncertainty, risk, and emotional exposure we face every day are not optional. Our only choice is a question of engagement. Our willingness to own and engage with our vulnerability determines the depth of our courage and the clarity of our purpose. The level to which we protect ourselves from being vulnerable is a measure of our fear and disconnection. So bringing it out of just person to person, what does what might vulnerability look like in community? Like in a context of community, in our church? Like in our relationships with each other, what would it look like for us to, remember this is what's giving and receiving of embrace, on the giving end, to be vulnerable with each other, do you think? Well, I was going to say something, but it's from Brene Brown's video. Great, so go for it. I was going to say empathy. Empathy, okay. We're going like, to get... She's going to that video, but yeah. Uh, <laughs> you, could you have given us a spoiler alert on that or something? <laughs> No, 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 I'm kidding. No, that's perfect because it's exactly where we're going. That's exactly where we're going. So when we are vulnerable with each other, here's one thing. We show up like we really show up and we let ourselves be seen. How often do we hide? You know, how easy is it to hide in a crowd? For whatever reason, all of these reasons. We might have any or, or, or multiple reasons, but we hide and we don't show up. We don't allow our gifts to, be, uh, to bless the community because we think, oh, I'm not as good as that person or I don't have this or whatever. Um, I didn't go to seminary. What do I have to offer? Or whatever, you know, whatever it could be. I mean, I don't think anybody says that here, but, um, but it could be any, uh, any number of things. But to be vulnerable in community is to show up and let ourselves be seen. Our personality, or you, you know, we read in Psalm 139 that each one of us is fearfully... He, he, is fearfully and wonderfully made, unique, created in the image of God. And so we show up not like someone else. Do you ever want to be someone else? Do you ever wish you had a different personality? Like if you're like outgoing, you're like, 
Uh, maybe, I don't, I don't know what that would be like. I can't possibly <laughs> imagine, because I'm an introvert. I'm like, but sometimes I'm like, I wish I was a type A personality. You know, I wish I was the guy that everybody's like, oh good, Jonathan's here. It's gonna get done. Like whatever it is, it's gonna get done. Or I'm like the take charge guy. Like I fantasize about being that guy. Um, or about being an outgoing, an outgoing person who shows up in the room and they're all like, hey everybody, high fives all around. But I'm not, I'm like, and Kimmy has helped bring me out of my shell. But yeah, most of the time, you're out of that shell. what's that? We're glad you're out of that shell. Oh well, thank you, thank you. I'm, I'm. It's, it's a slow process, <laughs> baby steps. But, um, but to be able to uh, show up as we are, not as we think that we should be. Our gifts, our history, our opinions, our theology, all of this. Um, a quote by another author that that Kimmy and I really like, whose name is Sarah Bessie. She says, "Rest in your God-breathed worth." Stop holding your breath, hiding your gifts, ducking your head, dulling your roar, distracting your soul, stilling your hands, quieting your voice, and satiating your hunger with the lesser things of this world. The greatest gift you can give others, Fred Rogers said, is your honest self. Show up. We need you. Like, we need you as you are, not as someone else in this community. The second thing is what vulnerability looks like in community is that we admit our needs to each other. Paul told the Galatians, bear one another's burdens and so fulfill the law of Christ. You you cannot bear my burden if you don't know what it is. And you probably won't know what it is unless I share it with you. Like... Which, of course, makes me think of the old song, Lean on Me. For no one can feel those of your needs that you don't let show. So for, to be vulnerable, we admit our needs to each other. A guy I used to work with at the food bank, um, we, we, had, we would have lunch every week and have all these spiritual and philosophical conversations. And um, one time we were talking about the fact that in nonprofit work, there's a real tendency to like think about people as you're either a giver or you're a taker. Or, well, not exactly in those terms, but you're either a giver or a receiver. So like if we're, we're working for nonprofits because we've got our thing together and we're helping the people who need help. And to a certain extent, that's true. But that makes it seem like, you know, I've got all this and I need to help you. And it doesn't acknowledge the fact that I have needs too. So what my friend Kirk said is that maybe what would be helpful is if all of us walked around all the time with a shirt that says, I can't meet all of my needs. Because to somebody to walk into a food pantry is a vulnerable thing. They are saying, I can't feed my family. I can't meet my needs. I need your help. But those of us who can, maybe we have a full pantry or maybe we don't lack financial resources. So maybe we think, I can. You know, I pull myself up by my bootstraps and I can meet my needs. Nobody can meet all of their needs. We're all dependent on each other. So if we were all just out with that, honestly saying, hey, well, we wouldn't actually do this, but hypothetically speaking, say, it's nice to meet you. I can't meet all of my needs. I need you. Um, that's part of what vulnerability looks like in community. The next thing is we confess our sins to each other. And this gets, talk about vulnerable. James 5.16 says, confess your sins to one another and pray for each other so that you may be healed. I wanted to read this extended quote because it was so good from uh, Dietrich Bonhoeffer uh, from his book, Life Together. It's all about Christian community. Um, I thought this was really insightful. He said, the pious fellowship permits no one to be a sinner. So everybody must conceal his sin from himself and from the fellowship. We dare not be sinners. Many Christians are unthinkably horrified when a real sinner is suddenly discovered among the righteous. I think he's saying that kind of tongue-in-cheek because we're all sinners. So we remain alone with our sin, living lies, and hypocrisy. 
The fact is that we are sinners, but it is the grace of the gospel, which is so hard for the pious to understand, that it confronts us with the truth and says, you are a sinner, a great desperate sinner. Now come as the sinner that you are to, to God who loves you. He wants you as you are. He does not want anything from you, a sacrifice, a work. He wants you alone. God has come to you to save the sinner. Be glad. This message is liberation through truth. You can hide nothing from God. The mask you wear before men will do you no good before him. He wants to see you as you are. He wants to be gracious to you. You do not have to go on lying to yourself and your brothers as if you were without sin. You can dare to be a sinner. And I bolded that line. I just thought, how, how great is that? You can dare to be honest about your failures and your faults in the context of Christian community. Now, and, and because when we confess our sins to each other, it's not so that the other person can hold it over you. So like, okay, now I've got your dirt. Now I've got some leverage with you. When you confess your sins to your brothers and sisters, or at least this is how it should be, you don't have to carry them alone anymore because they are helping carry it with you. So sin likes to stay isolated. Sin does not like the light. It wants to stay hidden. It wants to stay isolated. And it wants to, you know, because I'm personifying sin here, but like sin will keep you isolated from other people. It will slowly and slowly pull you away in your effort to hide and protect yourself. When you confess your faults to each other, James says, that is how the process of healing can come because you're honest with one another and suddenly other people are bearing it with you, your brothers and sisters. So the last thing about um, vulnerability and community is not only do we acknowledge our sins to each other, we acknowledge our doubts and questions to each other. And this is one, this is a topic that I'm very passionate about because I'll just be vulnerable with y'all. I got a lot of doubts and I got a lot of questions and I have for a long time. It's part of my faith journey. It is just, it is part of how I am following Jesus. Um, but it's a vulnerable thing to, to admit your doubts. Sometimes in our services or in our small groups or whatever, we can be gracious towards sinners. We uh, towards sinners. I mean, we're all sinners, but towards someone <coughs> who is confessing sin, we can say, "Hey, come as you are. There's forgiveness at the cross. You are welcome here." Um, this is a safe place. It's okay to not be okay and all of that. But sometimes that same grace does not extend beyond sin to doubt. So, But in order for us to be truly vulnerable, we have to be honest about that too. Even people in leadership, even and that's hard. It's hard to say, hey, you know what? I know all of you are looking to me to have the answer, but I'm, <laughs> I'm not the guy. Jesus is. And I've got doubts and questions just like you, too. you do. When I see that in a Christian leader, I automatically trust them more because I know they're being honest with me. They're not pretending. They're able to be completely open with their doubts and their questions. Now, if I lead every conversation with that, like every time we get together as a group and I'm like, all right, let's talk about doubt again. I mean, that could be a little, <laughs> that could be a little challenging. But I just want you to know that you don't have to pretend. You do not have to pretend that you, if you have doubts, I mean, don't try to find them if you don't have them and be like, oh, well, I don't have any, so maybe I should go dig some up. But if you do, don't, don't, you don't have to deny it. You can be honest about it with your brothers and sisters. Don't carry it alone. Don't feel like you have to carry that alone. Let someone come alongside you and walk through it with you. So that's part of what vulnerability looks like. 
um, in the context of community. And we are rapidly running out of time. So you know what I think we're going to do? We're going to do the second half of this next week. We're going to talk about the other two things that we're going to talk about are acceptance and empathy. As you so uh, geniusly pointed out, that's that's awesome. Um, But we're going to stop there. And what I want to do in the last few minutes is just um, ask if there's anything that we can be praying with you about. Like if you have anything that you're dealing with right now or something in your life or in your family or someone that you know um, that we could just come alongside you and pray with you about. Um, I I will start uh, just to get the ball rolling. And don't feel any obligation if you don't. But if you do have something, we would love to be able to pray with you together. Um, We are having some challenges at home with with some of our kids and feeling really overwhelmed and uh, just some emotional stuff. And um, we, you know, a lot of days, and I, I guess probably... Like, that's just parenting, you know. I mean, you feel pretty overwhelmed every day. But we, I w- we, Kimmy and I would really appreciate your prayers because um, we're dealing with some hard stuff right now. And uh, we'd just love it if you, would, if you would pray for us and pray for our family um, for strength and especially for wisdom to know how to love our kids well as they are. And, uh, yeah, so that's, that's what I got right now. Anybody else? My administrator's son was, was killed uh, November 7th. And um, it's really hurt his performance, okay? Mm-hmm. And he, how he does, the whole business does. Mm-hmm. And so, you know, there are 22 people counting on me for a paycheck, and he has well over 50 in his uh, side. And I'm 20% of his corporation. Mm-hmm. So the other 80% is suffering, too. Mm-hmm. And uh, I went to a wedding last night. He was there, and he was, he was still pretty dark. You know, he was... Mm-hmm. He's in a dark place, and so it was his pride and joy, his son, and it was a sudden thing, unexpected, and um, so anyway, it's, I'm really concerned about him, and uh, I really, uh, some prayers that uh, that he will find peace, inner peace, and that uh, mm-hmm. the Lord will be able to put the light back in his heart, yeah. you know, and because he was, he was a his hair was on fire and the rest of him was catching, you know, he was really mm-hmm. going there for a while and he was the leader everybody looked to. Whenever there was a problem, he had a solution and yeah. and now he, he's just just hitting on not hitting on all cylinders, you know. Mm-hmm. So um, it's tough to see a guy like that. It's it really is crushed him. And uh, uh, and of course it's not been that long since November, but still it's gonna be a long road. But I just hope that we can survive our business can survive, you know, for him to get back online and uh, mm-hmm be full, full strength again. So I pray for him every day, but I think I'm only a little help. <laughs> yeah. And so uh, uh, Robert Carpenter is his name. His son was uh, Andrew Carpenter. And there'll be a lot of trial about it. I'm sure the guy that did it is going to either go to prison for life or be executed. And uh, there's five, it was, it was, you know, it was a horrible thing because there were several people involved. And um, it'll all play out here in the near future. but. You know, it's just like a big rock hanging over his head, and uh, you know, I just other than just sit beside him, and he he doesn't he's closed up. He's very he's a very tight person anyway. You know, he's very closed mm-hmm. and, and keeps his cards close to his chest. You know, and I've known him for a long time, but still, uh, I don't feel like I know him that well. Yeah. You know what I mean? But I trust him implicitly. He's one of the most honest, decent people I've ever known. My my contract. I had contracts with people that were over an inch thick, and they were like 
might as well burn them. You know? mm -hmm. And this guy, I shook, I shook his hand back in 03. And the first of the year, January 1st, I go up and I say, how are we doing? I had a good year last year. Have another, okay, let's have another good year. And I trust that more than uh, a stack of paper. Mm -hmm. you know? So I'm really concerned about this guy. And uh, he, he's got a lot of people counting on him. And I'd like to see him you know, get back on track. And yeah. he needs help. He needs help. He needs the Lord's help. Holy Spirit. Can you tell us his name one more time? Uh, Robert. Robert. Carpenter. Okay, Robert Carpenter. All right. He he runs uh, RL Ventures, Red Leaf Ventures. Okay. And uh, I'm 20% of that Care First Medical Associates. Okay. And, uh, anyway, um, I mean, it's, it's just really taking the wind out of the sails. Mm -hmm. And uh, he just, and it's grieving. And I'm hoping in a year, maybe he'll get through it. Mm -hmm. We've got to survive. And, yeah. You know, all those people counting on us, you know. Most of the ladies that work for me are single parents with children, yeah. and uh, they're, are they the breadwinner yeah. in the family? So um, I'm, I'm very concerned. Okay. Well, we will pray for Robert for sure. He's a spark plug. Without him, it just all goes away. Mm. Okay. Anybody else? Have I can pray for Kate. That's our youngest. She's mm. six. She was just recently diagnosed with celiac disease, and that is a it's a gluten intolerance, but it's an autoimmune disorder, and um, a lot of people have been like, oh, that's just a diet change, that's an easy fix, and while it is a diet change, we just cut gluten out of our diet, gluten's in everything, but it also brings on some other things that have been really hard, <clears throat> one of them is anxiety, <clears throat> she's really fearful, and nothing, sorry, this last week was really hard. But nothing that we say or encourage her or comfort her with is helping. Um, and um, I mean, the fear, it's real. It's not put on or just not wanting to do something. It's a real, it's a real fear um, that she feels. And so I just kind of came to the place where we can't love her enough or pray for her through this we need to get her some help yeah and i'm okay with getting her help it's mm -hmm. not i'm not anti that at all but um you know when you see a six-year-old going through mm -hmm. so much and then you hear people saying oh well that's you know it could be so much worse you're just mm -hmm. you really want to rip yeah whack somebody right. like shut up you yeah. don't know anything mm -hmm. and you know that's not the right response either but um she slept through the night two nights this week, which was huge. And um, we, we found a verse that we, we pray over her every night, and she's learning it. And she told me, pray, Mama, Jesus is my peace. Mm -hmm. like, That's right, baby. He's got you. Mm -hmm. um, but, you know, and she asks us, when am I going to get over this celiac? Never love. It's lifetime. I mean, Jesus can be yeah, that's hard. I understand it. It's sad, though. It is. Yeah. It is. But, mm -hmm. So, mm -hmm. Daddy was well, that's one of the great, great areas of research right now in medicine are autoimmune diseases. Mm -hmm. And I do think, certainly in her lifetime, they will find an answer. Mm -hmm. My question is, if we can afford it. Right. You know, <laughs> there's lots of good medicine out there, but yeah, 1600 bucks a month, you know. Yeah. Yeah. yeah, so that, that's my concern too, is that mm -hmm. the, the cost of Absolutely. treating things now is out of hand. Yeah. Yeah. Thanks for sharing that with us. Anybody else before we, cl before we close in prayer? 
Um, Luke's brother and his wife have been fostering two kids since um, November? From September. For a long time. And mom's been in and out of jail. And she's in jail now for like probably for, for the, the probably forever. But they, you know, she, they were just thinking they were going to foster these kids until mom got her life together. And she's in jail for the foreseeable future. And these, you know, they, they had a wall up, like, we're just going to foster these kids. Not, you know, but when kids are in your home and this little girl comes in your home saying the B word to everybody mm. and can't even, if a man approaches her, screams, like, and you heal that. And you see that healing? These become your kids. And so they have told that they want to keep these kids but, you know, CPS's first thing is we need to put them back with family, biological family. So there's a family that came out in Dallas, but there's, it just looks like it's going to be a huge battle because, I mean, these kids are their kids. You know, they're my nephew and niece at this point, and that's all these kids have known because they were just so neglected and abused. And this is the first time to have a bed of their own, you know, in their home. And so now um, they told the lawyers, the lawyers want, they don't feel like this family's good, like they want them to stay with Jake and Michelle, but it just looks like it. CPS just wants, let's just get them back with mm. biological family. So it just looks like a huge battle. And it's scary because... You know, you can stalk anybody right now on Facebook. Yeah. And thanks to Facebook, you can see what this family's like. Yeah. And yeah. it's scary. And it's gonna, it's really scary for these kids' future. So just pray for my, my sister-in-law and my brother-in-law. They've been trying to have kids forever, and they just haven't been able to. And um, they have one, and, you know, and he's... If they were to apply for adoption for those children? They're trying to, but they can't adopt because the mom didn't give up. The dads of both kids, their different dads, have both given up full their rights, but the mom haven't. So, but she's in, going to be in jail forever. So they have to be taken. Yeah. So they have to be taken from her, but they're like trying to appease her. Casa's trying to appease her to just say that they, she wants them to stay where they are. Mm-hmm. Um, and the lawyer, his lawyers, and her lawyers have both trying to appease her to mm-hmm. stay where they are. But CPS really likes the idea of them being with biological family and it's just a really bad circumstance mm-hmm. so and those kids don't need to be removed again mm-hmm. like they don't need to be removed mm-hmm. so okay just be praying it's sure. scary yeah all right uh janice and scotty do y'all have anything or do want to leave you out Okay. All right. We learned yesterday that our daughter thought she had liver cancer, and God healed her. It, I mean, it's mm-hmm. not. It, she, I mean, she has a problem, but it's something that can be, you know, okay. managed. Yeah. So we're grateful for that. That's good. Well, our son John, who who is our uh, our uh, only child, mm-hmm. and uh, he's 22 now. And <coughs> making decisions for himself and he decided he's going to go to Indonesia and, and uh, do mission work for three months and uh, he got himself together and got donations and he's going. Oh, 
so uh, I'm real excited for him, uh-huh. and he's uh, has great passion for this, mm-hmm. um, way beyond what I was at his age, <clears throat> and so uh, just your prayers that, that things go well, and that he can accomplish his mission for the Lord and come home safely. Yeah. Okay. And his eyes will be open to a lot of things when he goes over. He Absolutely. Yes. He went to Spain and, and England, even though you think England is, well, it's sort of changing, but, yeah. you know, he, he's gradually telling these places that they went, and he goes, Mom, I didn't tell you that on purpose, you know, <laughs> so I wouldn't have to color my hair more, you know. Ah, yeah, right. <laughs> you know, I mean, you know, but anyways, uh-huh. no, we have been to some places, mm-hmm. but, you know. Yeah, they stuck across the border in Ukraine during yeah. the Civil War, so they get Pepsi and pizza. Yeah. They went to Moldova and the food was terrible. Ah, they just literally yeah. walked across the board with no papers. Right. Well, let's pray, y'all, and we can we'll pray and dismiss. <coughs> Lord Jesus, as we come to you, we thank you that you are the man of sorrows, acquainted with grief, that you did not stay at a distance, but you came close to us. You're the Word made flesh, that you know experientially our hurts and our pain, that you walked a mile in our shoes, Lord. And we thank you for that. And so we bring all of these needs to you, these needs, some of them that are too heavy for us to bear, that leave us wondering about tomorrow for those that we love. And we commit these things to you, Lord. We, we cast our cares and our burdens on you, for you care for us. And we pray for each of these needs who have been brought forward, that have been brought forward, Lord. We commit them into your loving care, and we pray that you would bring them to our memory throughout the week, that we might continue to pray and intercede, stand in the gap for each other, and come alongside each other um, through the battles and the difficulties that we each face. I thank you so much for, for each one that's in here to this morning, and I pray that you would give us each the courage to... to uh, to show up in our relationships with each other, to be vulnerable and to be honest and to uh, bring everything that you've given us and created us with uh, to our church and our community and our relationships and friendships. Um, In Jesus' name we pray. Amen. Amen. All right.